You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Welcome back to a special edition of The Bill Bennett Podcast. Hey, I'm Claude, producer, editor, engineer of the show. Um, Bill is coming up in a few moments, but this is one of those uh, shows where Bill and I got together right before the weekend to just discuss the things that are uh, on his mind and, uh, and on my mind as well. Um, so we usually call these mini episodes, but the mini episodes go for anywhere from 5 to 10, 15 minutes. This went 30. And so it's like a long mini episode. We discuss everything from the PGA Tour and Live Golf uh, merging. Yep, Bill talked a little bit of golf with me. Uh, we talked presidential elections, of course. We talked education. We talked about these new drug vending machines in New York City. What in the world are they doing there? Uh, if you want to email in your thoughts, go uh, just email BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Here's my conversation. Oh, and by the way, usually I'm the one in studio and Bill's on the phone for this mini episode, <laughs> Bill. And we talked about work, too. And this is kind of funny because I talked about how, you know, a lot of the shows that I work independently, uh, they want to, you know, they want to do Microsoft Teams or Zoom. It doesn't matter the quality. Uh, Bill always wants, you know, Bill works, 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 works. And Bill always wants to go face to face in studio. Um, and But for this particular episode, I'm on the phone. <laughs> And Bill's the one um, in studio. So hope you enjoy it and have a great weekend. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Claude, you're the golfer here. Um, you're the golf expert. LIV and PGA merge. They're now one organization or uh, one organization for lots of purposes. What is going on? Yeah, and it was shocking. I mean, a big shock to most people. Didn't coming as a matter of fact players on tour didn't know players on either tour didn't know there's some speculation that phil mickelson might have knew and maybe roy mcelroy would have knew would have uh, had known something but there were mm-hmm. players all over twitter uh, i think it was tuesday morning when the when the news came out that were just shocked like i'm learning about this news now i'm learning about the tour on twitter and essentially uh you know this live golf league um uh ran or backed by you know saudi money uh, was uh, some would say poaching players from the PGA Tour, but I don't know if they were really poaching players. I mean, they were, you know, players were deciding to leave the tour to go to this one. Um, getting paid big money. Um, a lot of criticism to a lot of the players uh, for leaving the PGA Tour. Um, there were those who were making the, the argument as far as the, the money or the purity of the game and where the money's coming from. A lot made the political argument, uh, sports washing and things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, Jay Monahan was over the PGA Tour, the commissioner, you know, he... Uh, was very outspoken. He even um, uh, talked about the families of 9-11 victims and, and all kinds of things. And then here he is um, after saying, you know, we'll never merge with them, we'll never work with them. Here he is merging and working, and a lot of it has to do with money. And the same thing he was criticizing other uh, tour pros for and saying they can't play on the PGA Tour anymore and uh, there's no room for them on the tour uh, and they'll never be able to come back. Uh, he, he's going yeah, to have to yeah, yeah. And now he wants to sign up with with um, with the PIF and 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 get access to that money too for the PGA Tour. And he he looks as if uh, to me he looks um, weak. To me he looks hypocr- hypocritical to say the least. Um, and money hungry, which is some of the things Phil Mickelson, who was behind the Live Tour starting anyway with Greg Norman, uh, exactly what Phil Mickelson said about uh, Monahan and the higher ups in the PGA Tour. He said, "When did he say that? At the beginning." At the beginning of the whole thing, absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the 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 infamous quote from Phil Mickelson when it all started, he was he was uh, speaking, and he I guess he thought he was off the record to Alan Shipnook. He said um, he said, you know, yeah, these guys are scary, but I'll work with them if it means to stick it to the PGA Tour. 
I said that yeah. that's yeah. read there that the players aren't treated right, and, and so on. Uh, yeah. So is is Monahan personally getting money from LIV? I would assume so. Um, if uh, the money, if there's going to be money that's going to influx to the PGA Tour, I don't see how it's going to come to the tour and he gets none of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel sorry for certain players who remain loyal. I mean, you, you've got players like Roy, Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, who were offered hundreds of millions of dollars to go to live, and they turned it down to be loyal to the tour. And then, then Roy McIlroy was out on television, out on tour, on radio, uh, you know, promoting the tour, downing live. How can these players do this? You know, kind of being the poster child for loyalty to the PGA Tour. And, and you leave him out to dry. And not only that, there was about two months ago, Roy McIlroy was fined $3 million for missing an elevated tour event um, on the PJ Tour. How do you find him? And he's the face of, of, the, of the tour and trying to save the tour only for a month and a half later to join Liv. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, why do you feel bad for the players who didn't join Liv? Are they going to get less money now because of that? Well, they, they, they missed out of an opportunity, I think, to uh, to make more money uh, because of the threat of the PGA Tour saying, well, if you go with Lit, you won't be able to. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then and then when you because when you, it, because it seemed to be a competitive situation there. Correct. So live would offer more money than now if they're unified that, you know, live doesn't have to offer more money to steal them away. Correct. Correct. And they'll make more money now that it's in this part, but it won't be the money they were offered. It will not be the money that they were offered. Wow. And for the reason I just mentioned? Correct. Okay. Okay. Now, there's another dimension, which is the political dimension. Families of 9-11 victims talk about the Saudis and the role of the Saudis. And the, obviously, the ringleader in 9-11 uh, was a Saudi. And there were, you know, what, five or six Saudis in that in that group? And so, you know, they're very distressed about this. Remember also that we think the Saudis uh, killed the uh, journalist, the Washington Post journalist. Uh, And, uh, you know, they're not uh, they don't conduct themselves in the most uh, upright fashion all the time. So there are people concerned about that. Now, I have taken the side of. Trump and now lately Biden, who had to go kind of hat in hand to the Saudis, that are the Saudis, despite their shortcomings, and they are very real shortcomings, they're nevertheless our allies and their allies in the Middle East, which is a good thing to have, and their allies against Iran, which is a good thing to have. So I think that needs to be borne in mind. But boy, there's just a lot of a lot of conflict and a lot of disagreement on this. It'll settle down, but um, this was really something. And I, I agree with you. I think the guy who looks the worst is Monahan um, yeah. uh, from the PGA. Yeah, from the beginning, because from the beginning he took such a hard stand against it. From what I understand, they were they were options even in the beginning to to partner uh, to, to to form something together, or even to have uh, the um, public investment fund to, to to help fund some of the to become a, a sponsor or something with a PJ tour. He turned it all down, and it's just hard to see how in such a short time he he uh, when he had such a hard line against him, said we never would. All of a sudden, he does this. What's the guy's name? Jay Monahan. Is that it? Yeah. I want to get the names right because I notice moving to another topic. If you're done, have you exhausted yourself on this? For now. I'm waiting for Byron (laughs) York. (laughs) Well, yeah, we need to get Byron on the way in, right? Yeah, for sure. 
But uh, this is Jay Monahan. Brian Moynihan is another name in the news. He is the head of Bank of America. And this morning I saw the first ad that's targeting Bank of Bank. America as a, uh, you know, kind of enemy of the people, you know, supporting um, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, supporting uh, all sorts of, you know, quote, progressive, close quote, causes uh, and giving money to the left like crazy. And they are targeting um, um, uh, Brian um, Moynihan, uh, who is uh, who's the head of Bank of America. That's kind of interesting. Is there a counter kind of counter revolution taking place in America? Is there a populist revolt that uh, people should be paying attention to? I don't know. You could make the case. You could make the case. I think we've talked about this even back in the radio days. You could almost feel it among the people. But maybe we're at a point now, like you said, where it's just reaching the climax and and there will be a revolt against some of these things that, you know, are yelled and screamed. Um, but we look at it and know that it's it's ridiculous and it's time and it's time to stop it. And, and again, I hate to always bring this up as an example, but I do believe transgender sports is, is going to is going to be part of this as well. Yeah, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and in the schools and in the schools, parents. No, parents. in the schools. Yeah, the schools. I mean, you know, did you see the story out of California of parents reacting in a school board meeting, uh, just going nuts because their kids are being taught about transgender stuff and LGBTQ? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's a California law that requires schools to do some of this, that in the teaching of history, you have to teach the contributions of uh uh, LGBTQ people and uh, and other things. I, you know, California law, really? Uh, and will that, like the California law on the pigs, you know about the California law on the pigs? No, I don't. All right, I'll tell you about that in a second. Will that spread to other, other states? Um, I mean, as I understand it, this rebellion of the parents, I mean, which ended up in violence outside people, were there to confront these parents, uh, terrible uh, situations that, um, you know, what California's done may be passed by liberal legislatures uh, around around the country. The pig uh, thing is a big deal, especially in Iowa and North Carolina, where pork is produced. California law has it that um, pigs can't be kept, you know, in a, in a confined area too close to each other. They have to have, you know, certain spacing in order to be able to, what, breathe and move and so on. It's a pro-pig liberation kind of um, uh, legislation that California did. No surprise, that's what they do out there, right? Uh But the pig farmers in North Carolina and Iowa are saying, wait a minute, you know, uh, uh, they're not going to allow pork that isn't from pigs raised in the way they have dictated. Um so, you know, what does that mean? Do we have to alter our whole process here? Do we have to stop doing it the way we've been doing it in Iowa? Stop doing it the way we've been doing it in North Carolina? Um, you know, I, I, I thought, well, maybe you just don't ship your pig stuff to to California. But I think it's kind of hard to, to uh, adjust the market that way. There's certainly efforts will be made, but it's very interesting. And because a lot of people have thought, you know, for a very long time, California's the future. You know, whatever they're doing out there is what we're going to be doing. But, um, you know, uh, 
forget the pigs for the moment, back to the school board. This California law requiring attention to LGBTQ, et cetera, uh, is uh, going to continue to stir people. And, um, you know, I, I think will continue to lead, uh, affect the flight from the public schools into private schools, religious schools, and home schools. Comment? No, absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about it, you know, Governor DeSantis, he was um, uh, questioned by a reporter at some stop and asked him about this um, uh, don't say gay thing in Florida. And he was like, number one, it's not called that. Uh, and then she talked about the stuff with the schools and he says, well, why don't you tell the whole story? It's from the, the particular yeah. thing you're talking about. It's for grades like one, uh, like uh, pre-K through second grade yeah. or third grade. Right. Like that. Right. Right. By the way, we don't talk about sexuality at all to six-year-olds, like right. to five-year-olds. Right. We don't talk, to, you know, we don't, we don't go throughout history and say, well, here's the history of heterosexual contributions to a man. Like there's no reason no. to no. one's sexuality when you're doing history. Like it, yeah. there's no point in doing it other than trying to push, you know, an agenda. And to the whole point about California being the future, this is something you've talked about on the show and that um, Joe Clark has talked about on the show. It's, it's been how long since California has led the way in, in anything that's been, you know, beneficial. Like it doesn't even work for their state. They're like uh, they're running this deficit, uh, huge. Now. Like nothing that they've been doing has even worked for California. And so well, why why should any state in this country follow California's lead? That's a fair point. I'm sympathetic to it. However, to your argument, I'd have to say things come out of Silicon Valley that we all use. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a technology and yeah, this whole a a a artificial intelligence thing. Sure you know, I think it's probably more a California product than any other state. Sure. But that's more a function of Silicon Valley Correct. than is of California, if you will. If you're talking about California legislature and California policy, I'd agree with you. You know, the homeless stuff and all this other stuff. Well, so, and even I, some I of the hypocrisy. I mean, even some of the hypocrisy. Remember during the height of COVID when everyone else had to right, be shut down right, and right. no one could go outside their houses, the governor and, and what a, a bunch of his friends went to the French Laundry for dinner when yeah. no one else could go out. Yeah, yeah. And they did a, uh, I remember uh, Fox did a story on a woman who had to close down her restaurant and right next door to it, they were doing a movie filming uh, that was, uh, you know, involved a lot more people. And, you know, a lot more activity, and they were allowed to do it during COVID. And wasn't it so, Nancy who opened up, who asked her? Well, hey, yeah, yeah Nancy, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> had her hairstylist. Yeah, 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 for sure. So so California, here we come, not so sure. And, of course, there's a net egress from the state. People are leaving the state um, in um, in huge numbers. Like Illinois, they're leaving Illinois in huge numbers. Where are they going? Going to Florida? They're going to Texas. So that tells you something. I wanted to make a couple other points. Talk about the homeless situation. Oh, did you hear about these vending machines in New York? Uh, no. Uh, they got these vending machines, uh, and you go to the vending machine, and you can get, you know, you push the right button, pull the right lever, lever, and you can get um, a crack pipe. You can get a dose or two of Narcan for taking after your drug, uh, after your dangerous drug that puts your life at risk. Uh, apparently, in the uh, in the kit too, there's there's a condom. Okay, uh, it's kind of an all-purpose kit here, I guess, for 
people living in the street, uh, crack pipe, condom, and Narcan. And you get lip balm mm-hmm. in case your little lips get irritated while you're smoking dope, I guess. Right. Whatever. whatever. And then uh, if people to say this doesn't encourage drug use is crazy. Of course it does. Um, this is like saying, you know, all right, you're going to, if you're going to smoke and, uh, you know, and, and, and like put matches, we're going to have a fire truck nearby. Uh, no, don't do it. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, apparently one of the vending machines was empty the very next morning. Yep. Well, well, what'd they expect, you know, with, with free vending machines, you know, it was probably, probably taken by two or three people, everything, you know, guy figures out it's free. Just take everything. Right. Right. Why not? Why not? You see what I'm saying? I mean, somebody sits there and goes, Hey, I didn't have to put any money and I'm going to keep going. You know, every time I pull this slot machine, I win. Come on, on, you know? Yeah. It's, um, and, and, and of course they call it a public health vending machine, but there's nothing that would indicate that anything in there is any healthy. I'm reading this story too. Uh, and they obviously they interviewed a woman who uses the vending machine. She said, I do a little crack here and there. I smoke my pipe. I smoke weed. I don't lace none of my stuff with it. And she held up a fentanyl test strip and said, I'm trying to get high, not die. Yeah. Problem is uh, fentanyl's uh, around in, in this stuff, a lot of it. Uh, and we now know some people are just out there buying dollar or $2 fentanyl strips, too, as well. Uh Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, that wasn't the front of the news. The thing that bothered me, the front of the news was smoke in New York. Um, you know, we've got it now in D.C., right? And the, uh-huh. the, the, air, the air is horrible. But, you know, I mean, this is not a national disaster. Uh, people need to be careful in it. People my age, and with you know, my physical condition, I need to be careful. Um, and, you know, pay attention. But this is not like a national catastrophe, right? Also, this stuff is the wind. It's there, and then it blows away. Right. So uh, I just, I, you know, in many ways, I think too much is being made out of it. Brief comment on Ukraine. I, I was uh, paying attention to this dam that was uh, targeted and exploded, flooded parts of Ukrainian communities, people. Very, very sad. And uh, people were commenting on TV, and General Keene, Jack Keene, whom I know and like very much, said, well, this will, you know, this will have some major effect uh, in the spring offensive or the fall offensive. Anyway, it just occurred to me, is this, is this Ukraine-Russia thing going to go on forever, forever? And are we obligated to pay for it forever, forever? Uh, depleting our resources, meantime, China is getting more menacing and aiming its target at us and playing with us and, you know, uh, running, running uh, afoul of us in, in the waters there in the Pacific and in the air, uh, you know, fighter jets uh, coming too close to our planes. Um, I, I, I just wonder how long and for how much money we need to stay in Ukraine. That's, that's a question. Comment? No, I mean that's a good question. I think, and I think it should be probably uh, well. Hope well, hopefully it's not, but it could become one of the leading questions um, in the presidential uh, uh, campaign. Um, could I, be elections. I mean, if it's still going on, then 
I think that that's a that's a great question. You know, yeah. Well, how long will you, President, fill in the blank? If you become president, how long do you plan to um, to help? How long? Do, how involved do you plan to get? You can say it's not our war, but if it's taking a lot of money, if it's taking um, a lot of our resources and, and 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 that we need here at home, how committed will you will you want to be? And that's another thing I think people need to pay attention to. Speaking of the campaigns, what do we got now? Fifteen. Oh, yeah, People on the Republican side, uh-huh. Governor Bergen from Dakota, North Dakota. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Mike Pence got in. He got it. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Christie. I was listening to Chris Christie. Did you hear any of him over the last day or two? Yeah. 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 Heard him on the news. Um, he was uh, it was remarkable to me how critical he was of Trump. Uh-huh. I mean, he just went out and laid it out about Trump being, you know, phony and a disappointment and didn't do a good job and misled and so on. And he's coming out swinging, really punching uh, at, uh, at Trump. I guess this is the way he thinks he can rise by bringing Trump down. I don't know that he will. I don't know that he will. It's interesting. He's taken that road, but DeSantis has not. Mm-hmm. Also taking that road seemed to be former Vice President Mike Pence. Um, you know, he has... Uh, things to say about the former president, you know, which is fine. The thing that stood out to me was the fact that if 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 uh, Chris Christie and and if Christie and Pence are going to be the attack dogs and the bulldogs on the campaign trail, it does leave room for others like DeSantis, like Tim Scott, like Nikki Haley to not have to be. And I, I and I just feel like not doing that is probably is 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 better than than going after them. And so if they don't have yeah. to be others on the trail are doing it, then it works out in their favor. I think. Yeah, Tim Scott is already. Wanted to declare himself essentially the the happy warrior, you know, the happy candidate, and um, uh, indeed, so is Nikki Haley. Um, uh, and uh, we'll see, you know, the degree to which others make this uh, make this case. The Democrat side, I think, I, you know, I, I, Bobby Kennedy seems kind of stuck at nineteen or twenty percent. Mm-hmm. But I think he needs to raise his profile if he can, if the media will pay attention to him, if some billionaire will back him. Because he's got a very interesting message. Of course, he's got a great name, great uh, political lineage here in America, Kennedy, Kennedy. But he's got some interesting ideas to challenge Joe Biden on. uh, And that would be uh, that would be interesting. Now, did you see the other person who entered the Democrat race or not the Democrat race? who entered the race for president, third party. Oh, so I've been hearing that uh, Joe Manchin might, but who did? Cornell West. Oh, right, 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 right. Cornell West. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Yes, I did hear that. Professor Cornell West of the three-piece suits, who uh, teaches at Harvard, who taught at Princeton, taught Mm -hmm. both my sons. um, Both my sons knew him. uh, And... um, my son uh, Joe was on campus at Princeton at six foot six. He said he was walking across campus and felt this arm around his neck and turned around. And it was Professor West. <laughs> Professor West said, you are Mr. Bennett. He said, yes, I am. He said, you are the son of the Emmanuel Kant of conservatives, William Bennett. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy stuff. But anyway... I mean, I know Cornell, and it's it interesting to see it. You know, he's a very intelligent guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, you know, I I could see him taking 
four or five percent of the black vote. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's two percent maybe of the of the total vote. And that could make a difference in sure. a very close race. Mm-hmm. But but first, I'd, I'd like to see Bobby Kennedy's profile rise. And the interesting thing is, you know, here's Biden. The Democrats, you know, don't think should, you know, be the candidate. Uh, he's very weak in policy and he's obviously failing his age. Mm-hmm. But there's no opposition to him in the party with any numbers. Uh, so that's that, that's very odd. And, well, uh, and the Democrat we'll Party don't seem to be uh, um, excited uh, to even try to find anyone else because they don't have anybody else. I mean, it's it's a, it's a kind of a sad narrative if you're I mean if you're a Democrat if you honestly just look back to when Obama won his first term you know Hillary ran against him I feel like that's what they, the Democrats actually wanted but he beat her he wins he wins two terms you have eight years of an Obama pad with all of his popularity with Democrats and was, and they couldn't find anyone. So they, you know, uh, um, they recycle Hillary, she loses to Trump. And then afterwards they do what they bring back Joe Biden. There's no one else of any substance. And I think that it has nothing to do with whether or not they think he can actually do the job. As a matter of fact, I think that they know he can't do the job, especially and he's not doing it now, but he can't do it for another term, but they have no one else to present that's viable. And when you look across the aisle and you look at, you know, whether you want to look at Mike Pence or you want to look at DeSantis or Trump, you know, pick your three. But there's not a Democrat on the other side not named Joe Biden who could who could compete with either. Yeah. Any yeah. Of those guys. Oh, we have uh, certainly have a better bench. Certainly have a better bench on the Republican side. Uh, OK, uh, the final thing I want to talk about is this three day work week. People talking about working only three days and combining that with working from home. So there's a movement to have only a three-day work week and to work from home. Uh, I'm opposed to both. I think work is good. I think the five-day work week is good. It is a strain. It is strenuous. There are many days you don't want to go. I also think it's important to get up, to shower, to shave, to, you know, put on some decent clothes and go to work. Put clothes on, yeah. Yeah, and not stay in your pajamas. and. I guess productivity is down. And if this movement continues, it will show two things. It will show that the American workplace is changing dramatically. Uh, and it will also show that this is uh, one of the permanent effects, lasting effects of COVID. Yeah. Uh, Cause this was, this was started in COVID. Uh, but um, you know, is this a, is this a good change for the American economy? I can't believe it is. Not if productivity's down. However, even if you think it's outrageous to say, "Well, I want a three-day work week and I want don't want to go into the office," it's boy, it's 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 the labor, it's the workers uh, on top right now. Uh, you know, because there's such a shortage of workers and so many jobs, a lot of people can uh, command this kind of situation. All right, I'll come to work, but I'm, um, you know, uh, you don't need me there in person, and uh, I'm not going to work f- but three or four days a week. So, we'll, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what shape this takes. I understand the technology, you know, enables people to do things they otherwise couldn't do. You and I are doing a Zoom. You know, we could be talking in person, 
but you know we're not and and you know this is this is you know very easy it makes it easier and more comfortable but um I, I just don't know if this can be good for the economy i don't know if it's going to be good for people mm-hmm. well i'll put it this way i do think um it, you're 100% right um and and i think the difference is uh, the flexibility that technology brings and things like that, you know, if you're someone who loves to work and you are someone who loves to work, I mean, we'll jump on a Zoom five times a week, even if it's for five minutes, 20 minutes, and the next one, 45 minutes to get work done, but but it increases flexibility to, to increase productivity. Or you can have those, oh, I don't have to drive to work. I can stay at home. I can watch television. I can, and so it, I think it depends on what you use the flexibility for. And it's sad, but there are those who will use it for the other. And I think of my wife who, um, I won't say where she works, but, uh, you know, in, 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 in DC at, at an office and, uh, they've been doing a lot of teleworking since COVID. And there was a huge uproar when, <laughs> when, uh, the thought was, um, we're going to go back in office, um, at least three to four times a week. Uh, right now they just go in, four times a month and no, really? and there is grumblings because a lot of people like my wife works when she's at home and she doesn't go to the hair salon or doesn't go to, and they know that there are those on their team that takes advantage of it. And what ends up happening, the people who are going to work, it ultimately puts more work on them. And those who want to take advantage of it, they take advantage of it. Well, how many people at this, uh, this organization? Oh, there's a ton, ton of employees. Um, thousand, two thousand. Yeah, yeah easily. A uh-huh. couple thousand, and their policy now is four days a month in person. Correct, four days a month, and that's for the entire organization. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really something, and that's really oh, something. Yeah. Oh yeah. She knows people are sloughing off, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Within within our, within our team, within our team, yeah. And she's not one of them, that's for sure. I know her. Yeah. 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 Very hard and diligent worker. Mm-hmm. She's it's in amazing. the office. This. She's in the office today. Yeah, yeah. Is that one of her four days? <laughs> well, this might, this might be, uh, well, as we record, it's June 8th. I think this is day number three of the month for her. So you, can you come in more than four days a month? Sure. Yeah, you can come as much as you want. Oh, but but you have to show up minimally four days a month, right? And when they had made mention of going to you know more days, you know, like maybe three a week. Oh man, there were meetings upon meetings and emails sent and why? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. hard to believe. A great story, maybe yeah. the shape of the future. Thank yeah, you, thank you. But even with some of the shows that I do, Bill, independently. Um, you know, everybody wants to go on Zoom or they want to do, uh, you know, Microsoft Teams. Um, and even though the quality apart is not as good as together, and there's plenty of opportunity to get together. I think about this show. Anytime that you're in D.C. Um, and it's not spur of the moment or just in that, something like a mini episode, we try to get together. We, try, we plug the equipment up. We look at each other. We've got the microphones there. Um, and there are just some like yourself who's like, nope, we're going to do the work. We're face to face. Let's get it. Let's be, you know, we'll be together. And some who are like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care if the, if the signal on my Wi-Fi is weak and it sounds bad. Let's just record it and put it out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think we see it all over the place it's, and, and, and it's sad to see. We'll see what that, we'll see what that means for the future. This will, how this shakes out. 
I think I predict that people who want to work and go to work will do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, both, both terms of profitability, uh, sense of success and satisfaction. And, uh, you know, will have enjoyed what Holmes says is one of the great pleasures of life. Uh, doing a hard task and getting it completed, getting it done. Okay, Claude, thank you. If people want to comment on any of this, and boy, they should. Yeah. We were trying to rabble-rouse a little today. I mean, <laughs> not really, but these are explosive topics. All of them. Yeah. What should they do? BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. We're getting everybody riled up for the weekend. Yeah, BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. 